0: How does the historical truth of the medieval crusades compare to the modern myths and legends that surround them? Join us today as we discuss that question with our guest, Dr. Paul Crawford, Professor of Medieval History at California University of Pennsylvania. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Franciscan University presents. Uh, Today we'll be talking about the Crusades. I'm your host, Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement here at Franciscan University. Joined here in our studios with our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Franciscan University, Dr. Scott Hahn, who holds the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization, and our special guest, uh, Dr. Paul Crawford. Uh, You have an undergraduate from Peru State University, an MA and a PhD in Medieval History from the University of Wisconsin and you're currently a professor of uh, history at the California University in Pennsylvania. Uh, your specialty is the Crusades and the military religious orders, such as the Knights Templar and, and others, uh, and you publish a number of works on these subjects, so uh, we're so glad you're with us here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so we're talking about the Crusades, and, and there's a lot of that goes with that, but first, let's start. When we say the Crusades, wh- what are we really referring to? Kind of just define uh, <laughs> Crusades for us.
1: Well, I think what most people are, talking about when they think about the Crusades are the eight major expeditions to the Holy Land from Western Europe beginning in 1095 in the 11th century and running up through the end of the 13th century to um, 1270. Um, That's not the only set of expeditions that qualify as Crusades. Um, The English historian Jonathan Riley Smith has defined a Crusade as basically an expedition in defense of Christianity called by the Pope and with strong penitential uh, overtones and that covers expeditions to the Holy Land, to Spain, to the Baltic, to southern France. So much wider than what we might commonly think. Very much wider. Okay, and and the time frame was was a large. Was much larger. Really the time frame for the Crusades should be thought of as running from the 11th century into the 17th.
0: Wow. I would um. say
1: that the last crusade probably was in
0: 1683 with the relief of the Siege of Vienna. Okay, so, so let's start with why, why were the, so if, the, if, the, if they had a penitential component mm-hmm. to it, there was obviously a military intervention mm-hmm. and called for by the Pope, <laughs> I think those were the, uh, why were they waged? Why were the Crusades waged?
1: Um, <laughs> there's an English, another English historian who's given a very nice, short, concise answer to that. The Crusades were the long-term result of the rise of Islam. Hmm. because they are defensive uh, expeditions in in response to Islamic invasions. Yeah, so a reaction to uh, a provocation. Very much so, yeah, Yeah. yes. But they've been given a
2: very bad historical rap, right? Um,
1: Yes, unfortunately. why is that? Um, There are complex reasons for that. A lot of it, I think, goes back to Western self-hatred, really. Uh, a rejection of what the Christian West stood for, and therefore a rejection of the Christian West's right to defend itself. You know, perhaps some of your
3: professors at uh, Wisconsin <laughs> upheld that view. I, I would say that it's, it's complicated, though, um, by the fact that the Reformation really represents a line of demarcation, mm-hmm. because up until the Reformation in the 1500s, there really was a broad consensus among Christians that what was happening was entirely justifiable on moral Grounds through the natural law and as right. Biblical grounds because, precisely because they're, they're, they're defensive wars. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at one point, Islam had basically taken two thirds of Christendom. That's right. And so, you know, it, it was a slow reaction, but it was an understandable action. And yeah, okay. I think Luther, because the Pope called for it, mm-hmm. targeted that <coughs> and yes. said that this was really, you know, to extend the, the tyranny mm-hmm. of the, the papacy. And mm-hmm. That's when the questioning began. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Enlightenment represents an even more disruption, yes, you know, a yeah, greater
0: disruption. Yeah, yes, very much so. And, and so and today, we've got from, from Luther and the Reformation, Enlightenment, mm-hmm. all the way through to, to modern mm-hmm. scholars and, and throughout, really ca- casting aspersions and mm-hmm. s- settling a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. A lot of but but uh, you know, if you zero in on the
2: middle of 1500s as a kind of flashpoint, mm-hmm. or maybe the 1400s, uh, the great primatial seas, of Christendom have all been co-opted mm. by Islam. Mm. Except for Rome. Jerusalem, right, right. Alexandria, Antioch, yes. and then Constantinople. Yes. Yeah. Only Rome
1: yes. stands. Yes, only Rome. That's and right. you
2: would think that the impulse
1: to rally round <laughs> Rome would be almost irresistible. Well, there was an impulse to (coughs) do that and even after the Reformation, that impulse, there was a kind of echo of that impulse in 1571 Mm -hmm. after the Battle of Mm Lepanto, which was won by an allied fleet, uh, Venetians, Papal forces, Spanish forces I think, the church bells in England, then Protestant England, were rung in celebration oh, after Lepanto. Yeah, yeah. uh, but then that was the ladies vanishable. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. yes, even well. Luther changed his
3: mind when Austria was being threatened yes, by Muslims. Right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at that point it's no longer Rome yes. Yes. and it's yes. not the yes. Pope. It's yeah, getting closer. So Don it's Juan, good old
2: Austria was the great champion of, of yes, Luther yes. in that
1: particular naval battle. The, the yeah. champion of the of the Catholic side. Right. Yes, right, he very right. much was secured. It, Yes. a Christendom for the West. It should be said that during the Middle Ages there were people that objected to the Crusades not so much because they didn't think, well, not at all because they didn't think Christendom should be defended, but because they thought it was the wrong um, approach. You
0: know, a, a tactic. Or a yeah, strategy. it was the
1: wrong tactic. Um, the great Catalan thinker, Ramon Lul, for you example, know. wavered back and forth between arguing in favor of Crusades sometimes and in favor of, of missions activities uh, at other times. And in the end of his life, he was 80, 81, I think, um, he went himself to North Africa as a missionary saying, this is what we should do to combat mm. Islam. And what happened was he got his, his uh, skull stapled right, by yeah. stones. Th- there's, a, there's
2: an interesting parallel uh, when you consider the Dominicans, mm-hmm. they were founded in order precisely to win back mm-hmm. the Albigensians mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Southern France. But uh, that particular crusade uh, came to a, 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 you know, a crashing halt. Uh, when these these wonderful friars walk into these Albigensian villages to preach and mm-hmm. to pray and by example and exhortation, win them back mm-hmm.
1: to Rome, uh, they're simply ignored. They're ignored and therefore force had to be used. Yeah, the and secular arm it, had yes. to step in. The Albigensian Crusade is an interesting uh, case study for crusading. The church gets criticized for having used force against yeah. the Albigensians, against the Cathars. Uh, but in fact there was a canonical reason why they needed to do it and do it quickly according to canon law at least at the time and I think now still you're not considered a heretic if you are not the person who instigated the defective beliefs. Um, And the people who had instigated the beliefs were, that generation was about to die off. So the church was about to be in a position where it couldn't do anything about it if it didn't act quickly. You know, you just made a point Uh.
3: that I wanna go back to for a moment, because, you know, there is a sense in which Christians who are sympathetic to the goals of the Crusades, nevertheless can call into question the strategic value. Mm-hmm. You know, even presenting from the morality, because I, I think that what shocked me the most in preparing for this show was just how clear and strong is the case mm-hmm. for the Crusades but practically from a prudential standpoint. You know, only the first crusades in the 11th century were a limited success. You know, um, Mm -hmm. most of the other ones that are typically called crusades, and even that language is anachronistic because the the language wasn't even used by the Christians until really I think the 19th century. It was
1: used by the high middle ages but not in the first century probably. Not
3: in the, the first well, 11th and 12th, no,
1: no it wasn't. Yeah, it became
3: a term of opprobrium, you know. uh, But I I think this idea that missions, you know, what Mm St. Francis of Assisi is doing mm -hmm. in seeking to evangelize and seeking after martyrdom as well, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think is is, is a real exemplary, alternative. Mm-hmm. You
1: know. yeah. It was, but it wasn't very effective. That's right, yeah. that's it right. And he
3: effective. also preached the Crusades himself and the yes. Franciscans but did. But right. I mean,
2: that's this Crusading spirit, I think, is exemplified mm-hmm. in, in a diversity of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis represents mm-hmm. one way. I, I think taking up arms on behalf of Christendom mm-hmm. constitutes another mm-hmm. equally legitimate. Yes, right? and e- the thing
1: that's at the core of both of those um, impulses is Jesus' words, greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. Francis right. and Ramon Lule were doing it in one way. Right. Uh, when Francis went to talk to the Sultan on the Fifth Crusade, the Crusaders were doing it on an, in another way and they very much conceived of themselves as doing that. This is an important point, that they saw the Crusades as an act of love on right. behalf yeah. of other Christians. And,
0: yeah. and, and you make that point that it was an act of love, right. but, but help me, uh, the modern mind, in, in our, our sensibilities today, and also those who understand what the church is teaching in on just war and mm-hmm. so forth, Uh, we say that that there was a strong case for the Crusades, but this is the Pope calling for what some would call a religious war. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, walk me through how this fits within Catholic uh, teaching on just war. It's rather easy, actually. Um,
1: Just war theory, of course, is the theory that says that there are some wars that are not only just, but it would be unjust not to fight them. Mm. Um, It draws on a tradition going back to Augustine, St. Ambrose, and St. Ambrose said something very interesting that has always stuck with me ever since I read it. And I'm gonna paraphrase it, of course, but he said if you see someone doing a wrong deed, you're, you see someone using force on someone else, someone acting unjustly to someone else, and you have the means to stop it, and you don't, yeah. you're morally guilty of that act that has been carried mm, out by the, by the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, and that includes force. If you have the ability to stop an unjust act by force and you fail to do it, You're morally guilty of it. And I think that the um, Catechism of the Catholic Church says something much the same. There's a a beautiful
2: line in Romano Guardini where he says, I think, quite prophetically, that at the end of the day, the sin of Cain and the sin of Pilate are morally indistinguishable. Mm -hmm. I mean, to kill your brother, Mm -hmm. that's murder, Mm -hmm. but not to intervene Mm -hmm. on behalf Mm -hmm. of your brother Mm -hmm. is equally murderous.
3: Mm -hmm. Let me shift this, though, Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not just an individual responsibility to intervene when you see another individual perpetrating some kind of violence. I think even more so when you have been entrusted with the responsibility of, say, caring and protecting your family, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. As a father of six and now a yes. grandfather of nine, mm-hmm. I have the sense, you know, cer- certainly the, the, the shepherd lays down his mm-hmm. life for his sheep, you mm-hmm. know, um, but he doesn't lay the sheep down. No. They're yeah, alive, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, even better than laying down your life would be laying down the lives of the wolves who are attacking the sheep. Uh, yes. And, and, and not to, to not do mm-hmm. so would be a serious dereliction mm-hmm. of duty. Very serious. It would be an immoral sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is why pacifism thrives on the basis of individualism, Mm -hmm. where we really step back and fail to see the kind of corporate relations that we have in the family, in the town or village, and in the state, but especially in the mystical body of Christ, Mm -hmm. where people we've never met are really and truly our brothers and sisters in Jesus because of baptism. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for them, you know, I, I remember hearing, when I was in Istanbul, Constantinople, mm-hmm. about the sack, of, con- <laughs> about the uh, the conquest. And mm-hmm. we had a Muslim guide who explained how merciful dimitude was, you know. <laughs> that is the, the enslavement well, of Christians, you know. It's the payment of a tax, you know, and you're allowed to worship mm-hmm. privately. You can't display anything publicly. You can't share the faith publicly, but you can do it all privately. Mm. And then the tax is, gra- is raised so th- to the point where Christian families simply can't afford can't it. Function, and, and he, he said, "Well, provisions were made, though," and out stepped <laughs> these two, a couple oh. from Malta, and said, "The provisions were the firstborn son."
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I if mean, it was says, shades of yes, Egypt. Yeah. You oh, forfeited your firstborn son if you couldn't pay the tax, mm-hmm. and they didn't just take yeah. a few; they took a lot, and they trained them as Muslim militants. Yes, yeah, that's the, fa- and the it,
1: foundation of Janissaries Exactly. And 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 this Muslim guy did not view
2: that as somehow
3: reprehensible? Well, once the Maltese couple stepped forward and spoke up, he was mum, (laughs) you know, because they were rehearsing the history of Mm. the attack on Malta, Mm -hmm, and how the first wave of of Muslim militants were the children mm-hmm. of the Christians oh, yes. who had been forfeited instead of the tax yes. to be the
0: warriors. 1565. Yeah. And, and I think yes. that I think that's a crucial point. Uh, <laughs> so we have uh, the Pope and the Church at the time calling out of an obligation, you know, mm-hmm. an obligation yes. to step in. An obligation is uh, right. Yes. And, and they did it out of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 l- l- distinguish a little bit deeper. Some of the the um, you know some people get cast aspersions on the Christian activity versus. Mm-hmm. the Muslim, kind of differentiate the the Muslim uh, um, Jihad jihad, Mm -hmm. uh, versus what what we would have uh, in the Christian response.
1: Once again it's pretty easy to do. Muslim Jihad is a religious obligation for Muslims to extend the area that Muslim law is observed, the Mm -hmm. the Dar al-Islam in in Islamic terms. Um, It doesn't have to be done by violence but it certainly can be and very often is. So Jihad is something that is aggressive and expansionistic the Christian idea of crusading is exactly the opposite. It's defensive. Yeah. Um, crusades were never ever supposed to conquer land that had never been Christian. Uh, it is designed to protect uh, Christians who are either under attack or under the kind of dimitude, the kind of servitude that you're talking about, Scott. Uh, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a completely different kind of thing. It's a defensive reactive kind of activity that is, as we've been talking about, designed as an act of love, Mm. to protect those who need to be protected. So kind of really the exact opposite. The two are very often equated as being the same kind of thing, but they're, they're night and day, really.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the crucial thing, is that when, is. When, when the Crusades are brought up, it's like, oh, well, they all were in it equally, and, mm-hmm. and, and they both have mm-hmm. blood on their hands. That's But it's not very, true. very different yeah. uh, historical case, and that's what you're both making in your writing and in your mm-hmm. teaching mm-hmm. are really showing that. Uh, stay with us on Franciscan University Presents as we go into some of the myths uh, behind the Crusades. Stay with us. When I teach my classes on the medieval world and the history of Islam, and I talk about the Crusades, I make sure to mention to my students the positive fruits of the Crusades, um, one of which is the expansion of Europe, economically in particular. Um, There was a a huge economic upswing in the high Middle Ages, and there was also this evangelical awakening in the high Middle Ages with the interest in the Holy Land. Um, There was more interest in uh, reading and living the Gospel living the apostolic lifestyle. And uh, many more people were much more interested in the imitation of Christ and living life in the imitation of Christ. So you see new religious orders founded and even lay apostolic movements um, founded in the High Middle Ages.
3: I'm Dan McNally. I'm a theology major here at Franciscan University. I love studying theology. It's my passion. But, I mean, I love learning, too. You walk out of the classrooms, so you want to know more, you don't want the lecture to end. So, I mean, that's the really great thing about being a part of a student body, is you can continue to discuss outside. It's not just studying to, to make a grade. It's it's learning to, you know, improve yourself. And not just through your own personal prayer or your own personal study, but through community, because that's what we're made for. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic.
4: People recognize Franciscan University as being academically excellent and passionately Catholic. We have the unique opportunity through our faculty members, through our students, to proclaim that academic excellence by reaching out in many different ways. We also remain passionately Catholic in the way in which we are able to worship, the way in which we are able to uh, bring that love of Christ to others on a daily basis. It's important for us to be able to embrace both.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, Today we're talking about the Crusades. Uh, This is something that that people do get hit at uh, as Catholics, oftentimes. Uh, It's seen in popular films like The Kingdom of Heaven with a lot of historical inaccuracies. Uh, Even a former president, uh, you know, uh, Bill Clinton talked about some things that were historically uh, inaccurate, inaccurate uh, yes. I was gonna say problematic but I think they're really inaccurate. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the, the, the quote that we, we hear, we, we've already dealt with kind of the myth, were the Crusades an aggression of the Catholic Church and, and we've already seen that that really is debunked because mm-hmm. the, the reality is it was a defensive uh, maneuver and it was the the, the Muslims who mm-hmm. first first attacked. Yes. Uh, so when the Crusades <coughs> captured Jerusalem in, in, in 1099, uh, did the blood really run ankle deep in the streets, which is an exact quote, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was it an accurate tale of the massacres uh, mm-hmm. perpetrated by Christians? Because again, uh, a former president even used that exact yes, quote. Yes he did,
1: yes he did. Um, the short answer is no, there's a longer answer.
0: The short answer is do
1: the physics. It would take far too many people to make it run as deep as, <laughs> okay. as, as okay. President Clinton um, said it did. He was drawing on a crusade chronicle to make that statement, full share of chart, uh, but he was using it very clumsily, you can't take ancient and medieval documents at face value. You have to know the context that they're writing in. you have to know the purpose of what they're saying and Foucher was writing something that was very significantly a um, advertising tract, a PR tract and and a little bit of a boastful uh, statement. Also um, pulling in, drawing on Old Testament imagery. Mm. He's very consciously drawing on Old Testament imagery of victories that the Israelites had won over their foes. And saying we're we're doing the same kind of thing, yeah. uh, but no, the blood did not run to the horse's bridles or knees or whatever. Yeah, this is this is it.
3: all drawn yeah. from the book of Revelation it's as well. It's drawn from the as well. The Old yes. Testament. yes. But the whole point is to show that the the, the, the struggle, the conflict, is between evil and evil good. And good. Yes. It's not and meant uh, to
1: be taken factually or mathematically. That's right. And it's it's very problematic, as <laughs> e- e- you said. But even if you concede uh,
2: the point that that Clinton is making, mm-hmm. and it's polemically self-serving. Yes, uh, Something survives, uh, namely uh, the fact that abuses, atrocities mm-hmm. yes. have always been committed. But uh, the, the principle of uh, abuses non tolet uses, I, I think, should govern mm-hmm. uh, the Explain situation. Uh, abuse that that instance, vindicates yeah. it. The yeah. abuse doesn't abolish the use. Correct. I mean, we committed countless atrocities during World War II yes, to rid the world of, mm-hmm. of that scourge. Yes. Uh, called Nazism, yes. but nobody invalidates that crusade in
1: Europe, which is no. how Eisenhower mm-hmm. described it. Which is a very good, uh, very good parallel, but there's something else that needs to be mentioned in terms of that massacre, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the laws of war that applied universally to everyone in the ancient and medieval world and really up into the modern world. When a city is besieged, if it surrenders, yeah. um, then it can make terms and the lives, and to s- a certain degree, perhaps, the property of the people in the city are spared. If a city decides to resist and take its chances, then if it falls to storm, everything, the people, the belongings in the city belong to the conqueror. Uh, Now that may be very unpleasant, and I certainly would not want to be present at such an event on either the conquering or the defeated side, but that is the law. This was the
3: common law. This is the law. The Muslims observed it fastidiously. Very fastidiously. Ruthlessly. When you look at how the Muslims conquered Christian lands for centuries, building up until 1099 Mm -hmm. when Jerusalem falls. Mm You know, you, you see a horrendous record completely whitewashed yes. mm-hmm. and forgotten. And I think yes. more to the, the point of, this, of that, the context of missing. You know, oh, I think we project is. ourselves in our own self contempt right. in acting yes. as though this was all, you know, proto colonialization, mm-hmm. you know, that this was our attempt. You know, as the first world to kind of colonize the third world, but as you've pointed out, and as no, Professor Tom right. Madden has pointed out, mm-hmm. Islam was the first world. Mm-hmm. You know, the Muslim civilization was the superpower really up until yes. about the 16th century. Yes. Europe through the 11th, 12th, and 13th centuries was more like a third world. Yes, and and they were the ones who were being colonized by Very force. Much. Yes, you know, with Asia Minor falling as it did, you know, in yes. the 11th yes. century and so on.
1: Yes, and and. We don't have nearly time enough to list all the Muslim massacres of Christian cities, but just to list two or three. Christmas Eve 1144 in Edessa, the Muslims broke into the first Crusader state and massacred all, they they targeted specifically all the Frankish Christians. It was really an act of ethnic cleansing or genocide. Killed them all. Two years later when the Armenian Christians there asked for the Crusaders to come back and and Uh save them from the Muslims and rule them, the Muslims came back again and killed all the Armenian Christians. In um, 12, I think it was 68, uh, the Muslims took Antioch from uh, the the capital of that northern crusader state and massacred so many of the Christians there that most of the noble families of Antioch simply disappear from the historical record. They're all Mm. dead. Uh, 1453, uh, the the fall of Constantinople, enormous massacres, rapes of nuns, Mm. Uh, I mean this is all part of the laws of war uh, if you're going to criticize the what happened in 11 or in uh, 1099 in Jerusalem, you, n- you need to look right. at the larger record. And but You also
3: you have, to have to look at Dresden in 1944. <laughs> you know yeah, the yeah. firebombing yeah. of a city that did more devastation yeah. to a, an, a civilian population mm-hmm. than yeah. Nagasaki and Hiroshima mm-hmm. put together. Yes. Yeah. You know for days and for nights. Mm-hmm. You know with the calm detachment of a B-24 mm-hmm. bomber or whatever. And yeah. you know I, I am not pro-Nazi in any sense. But when you look at the abuses, Mm -hmm. and when you recognize the fact that this is more than morally questionable, this is reprehensible. Morally
2: reprehensible. And 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 the details that you marshal, I I think, with with great scholarly uh, rigor uh, and, and scruple, uh, you, you have to see those against the backdrop of a world that is simply vanishing. Mm-hmm. A, a Christian world. Yes. It, it disappears. S- yes. I mean, two yes, thirds does. of Christendom yes. is mm-hmm. gone, mm-hmm. vaporized mm-hmm. Uh, in the space of what, a century or two? Mm, in the space it, of most a century. Of the, yes. Most of the Mediterranean world mm-hmm. uh, is, is vacated, and, and the Muslims simply take over, they Correct. swallow it whole.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, why wouldn't there be a crusade That's to right. try to yes. win this back? Right.
1: Well, and sometimes people say, well, it took a long time for the crusaders to respond. It took 450 or so years. It took that long for a crusade to be declared, but it did not take that long for Christians to counterattack. Christians yep. had been yep. counterattacking in other ways. The Byzantines, the Eastern Christians, had been counterattacking repeatedly. Yep. And in the 10th century, Byzantine armies got as far into the Holy Land as Nazareth. Their logistic lines got overextended and they couldn't make it any further and had to withdraw. But they were trying. And the Italians and the Southern French were trying. The Spanish were beginning their Reconquista in the Spanish Peninsula. So there are plenty of other earlier examples of Christian forces counterattacking. The Crusades is just another one. When you
2: contrast, for example, the world of Augustine in mm-hmm. the fourth and fifth yes. centuries. All of North Africa yeah. is Christian. Mm-hmm. A thousand years later, none of none it of is. It.
1: Yes.
3: What happened? Well, within one or two centuries, I mean, when you look at what Muhammad did mm-hmm. in a short life, you know, he was a, a teacher, but he was a warrior was first a warrior. and foremost yes. yeah. and a very, yeah. Effective yeah. a very effective one. And Muslims are and not rallies. quiet about oh. that. They're very proud and grateful yes. Yes. for his legacy. And, yeah. and so when you compare Jesus and Muhammad and the two mm-hmm. religions they found, when Christians just simply kill in the name of Christ, they're often betraying, you know, their founder, but when Muslims follow Muhammad mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, conquering mm-hmm. the Dar al-Jihad, right. that part of the world the that Dar has al- not arms. submitted yes. to the Dar al-Islam, yeah. yeah. right. you know, uh, this is something of imitative behavior, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. and it's something that is right. virtuous yes. in their understanding. Yeah. And yeah. We, you know, as uncomfortable as that makes us feel, it's time, it's, it's time to grow up, yeah. you it, know, it look at them it from, is. them. you know, their mm-hmm. own perspective, and. This also helped me understand why, really until the 19th century, Muslims did not think that the Crusaders were, you know, these vandals and these, mm-hmm. you know, they, they respected mm-hmm. Christian warfare oh, as yeah. some, you know, an attempt to kind of match. These through. were honest adversaries. That's honest right. adversaries, that's correct. That's a way to put
1: it. And even in the course of the Crusades, the Muslims preferred honest, wholehearted Christian adversaries. On the Sixth Crusade, the um, German Emperor Frederick II, went to negotiate, not fight, and went out of his way to badmouth Christians to his Muslim hosts, and his Muslim hosts were offended, uh, and right? basically said to him, why don't you be a, a good Christian and right, play your own right. side, stop. And fight. Stop, stop <laughs> being a traitor, Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah.
3: And again, well, we wanna say that this is not to deny the, the evils that were happening at the time of the Crusades. Right. You know, the slaughter of Jews at times by the Crusaders, mm-hmm. You know, Pope Urban II condemned that.
1: As did Bernard of Clairvaux. That's right. Th- that and was, was not an integral part of the Crusades. No, in fact it was a violation it was of a the violation. spirit. There, there were plenty of violations of the spirit and of the rules for the Crusades, but that, as you said, doesn't uh, yeah. invalidate the principle.
0: Yep. And, and, and just to go to yep. another myth here, just to, in our limited amount of time, I mean, it's often brought up. You know, we, we, we just talked about the, the some of the atrocities that are often thrown mm-hmm. that are really missing context and historically inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was there uh, a, a motivation of, uh, as a lot of people talk about, as a motivation of greed and wealth and mm-hmm. trying to capture uh, yeah. all of this? Mm-hmm. Is that ha- help put that in some historical context? <laughs> no, that's that's myth. That's, it's sort that's like ocon oh oh contraire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's strong to the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I could,
1: I could answer that question simply by saying no.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Let me tell you an interesting story that I just discovered the other day. I, from the uh, 13th century, there was a French nobleman, Enguerrand de Cousy, who was a, a, a jerk, to put it technically. <laughs> uh, he found some young men uh, uh, trespassing on his property and he executed them, just wow. for trespassing, basically. The case went to uh, Louis IX, King Louis of France, who was a crusader king. Uh, Louis tried him, found him guilty, and among other things, sentenced him to three years crusade. Is that right? Which he had to redeem by paying 12,000 livres, which is a a huge amount of money. Um, I'm telling you that story to show you that by the middle of the 13th century, crusading was viewed as so difficult and so dangerous and so expensive That it was along the lines of a fine, (laughs) right? Okay. So instead of a penitentiary
3: being slapped, you know, put in there, this is a penitential,
1: which happened very many times to a
3: lot
0: of people. So people weren't rushing off to 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 make their money in the crusades. It it became
1: a means
2: of atonement. Uh, It became a means of atonement for sin. Mm
0: -hmm. One of the reasons that people think that it was
1: a an opportunity to make your fortune is again going back to Fulcher of Chartres, his Mm -hmm. chronicle. The same one that said that Jerusalem's streets ran so deeply with blood, he also said come east and and become rich and and get a, a, uh a large amount of land to rule. That's an advertising for sure, right, and right, it's, it's right. probably not much more accurate than the ones you get for condos in Florida.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, or join the army
2: and see the world. Pretty much, uh-huh. yeah. And, and they
0: often had a fund. Uh, reading reading all of your articles. There's there's a number of uh, references to them having to fund it, and upwards of six years worth yes. of taxes for one of the kingdoms to just fund a crusade. On the seventh
1: crusade for yeah. Louis the Louis the Ninth. Um, it's it's very hard to translate medieval money into modern money. But roughly speaking, for a knight to go on crusade, it would have cost him about the equivalent of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars today. Oh, I I so they so. had to do things like and this was voluntary. This was voluntary and, this this voluntary. and the, um, risky. I mean, the, risky. The pointers, their lives were. You know, in the
3: first crusade, many of them, most, you know, did not return. You know, and and the, and the losses are staggering. Losses <laughs> are knew very that,
2: high. I mean, yes, so people yeah, I think yeah, you're at seventy-five percent.
0: Uh, uh, as, as a casualty rate. Right. <laughs> it's extremely <That's> high. It's <laughs> extremely high. Believable. Yeah. Uh, well, can you
2: explain? I mean, this is the puzzle that that I. I need to have you uh, uh, figure out for us. The, the widespread caricature, which, which strikes me as pretty wicked, because the, the points you make are transparently obvious. Why haven't others cottoned on to it, particularly scholars? I mean, you came out of the University of Wisconsin, which is sort of a hotbed of liberal <laughs> scholarship. How did you survive that? And, and the students you teach
1: now. Uh, what, what do they make of, of these claims? <laughs> well, the answer to your first question is dei," I think. <laughs> 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 um, crusade historians actually have done a rather good job of dispelling the myths. What we haven't done a good job of is crossing the divide from crusade history to the public. Yeah. Mm. PR um, PR yeah, we've yeah, been yeah, trying yeah. I talked to one of my friends about this a few years ago and said how long is it going to take us to get the record straightened out right. uh, and he said um, probably never uh, <laughs> yeah. what That's we
3: need is a Sir Stephen Runciman on our side we mm-hmm. do. because I mean yeah. that author in the early 50s basically just t- swept the world like a literary tsunami I mean right everybody was reading him mm-hmm. and when i sat down to read him i knew these were lies but
1: man can he <laughs> write but they're very well right. told lies oh, yeah. they're very it's very them. beautiful and very compelling it's this oxbridge english yeah. uh, the series needs to be rewritten it needs to be redone by somebody who understands the historical record of the crusades yeah. and can encapsulate that in the same kind of language. Yeah. That's a bit g- of a challenge. The glamour, uh, the glamour. of the uh, of mm-hmm. the
0: lack of history. Well, he <laughs> understands how to tell crusades.
1: stories and to tell right. stories right. very well, but it's easy to do because the crusades are full of exciting right. and beautiful we stories. Know, the anti-christian approach
3: that you find in Voltaire mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. raised by Gibbon and Sir Walter Scott, you know, was a minority report. Mm-hmm. Now it's beyond a majority report. It's, it's almost—it's it's in the water right. supply and in the yeah. air we breathe. I, when I went to the Holy Land, it's the only thing you yes, hear right. from Christians yes. as well. Yes. Uh, the yeah. pilgrimage. Well,
1: there was a, a group of Protestants in, um, mm. 1999 that went on a, a, an apology walk, a reconciliation walk, and apologized for the Crusades to every Muslim that they like had, <laughs> which really? must have struck the local Christians in the area as a little odd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ludicrous, yeah. there's something grotesque about that. I, yeah.
0: In a very short l- <coughs> few moments here, can you speak to the, the, the myth uh, surrounding indulgences being offered for killing Muslims? <laughs> as a, Was that accurate? No. Okay, (laughs) that's your short answer. No, there's there's no no indulgence being given for killing Muslims. Because that is definitely something, again, perpetuated as part of myth and legend.
1: Bernard of Clairvaux said in his In Praise of the New Knighthood that it was a good and virtuous act to kill Muslims is what he meant, if you had to do it. But it would be better, he said, and he was very careful to say this, it would be better if we didn't have to do it. We only yeah. do this when we have to do it. Yeah. Uh. yeah, distinctions like that don't make the headlines. No, they no, don't, right. but, but he, it's, it's not even a minor distinction.
0: He was very clear about it. Stay with us San Franciscan University Presents. My name is Kelly Butler, and I'm a Communication Arts major. I took independent digital filmmaking. Definitely intense. Many all-nighters in the editing lab getting things done. Pope John Paul II has a quote, Do not be afraid to go out into the streets and into public places to preach Christ like the first apostles. That's what we're called to as Catholics and as Christians. You have that responsibility that every work you create should reflect Christ. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic.
4: Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, This entire program springs forth from the very heart of Franciscan University. Uh, It's being taped right now in our communication arts studio. Um, Our our students are operating the cameras and equipment. Our panelists, as well as myself, are here at Franciscan University. Uh, Dr. Crawford, we've been talking about the Crusades, and uh, I I really appreciate you unpacking some of the myths. Uh, You mentioned something as we kind of closed out about this apology walk, and uh, I and others Others may have thought Pope John Paul actually apologized for the Crusades. Could you help set the record straight? Sure, uh, he, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. I like your very short <laughs> answers. You
1: <laughs> well, there's short it's ones things. and then there's, there's unpacked ones. He did not apologize for the Crusades. He apologized for things that Catholics might have done that were wrong in the course of the Crusades, which is a very different proposition.
3: And it wasn't yeah. hypothetical. He didn't say he might have done. He acknowledged he said, that, there yeah, right. but that there were many things, that, things were wrong, right. that were done yes. that were wrong. Right. That's right. And there you were, know, the Crusades themselves were not the thing that he apologized no, for. They but were the not. Abuses, no, they were not. The abuses. No.
1: No, did not, and really could not, because the Crusades were uh, designed and supported and promulgated by centuries and centuries of his predecessors. Right. as an activity of the church stemming really from the magisterium. Wow. Uh, so you really cannot, as a Catholic, say that the Crusades were unjustified. You can say that this or that action in the Crusades was unjustified, and that's fine, and, and I could pick some out and tell you about them. Right. Uh, right. Although there are probably fewer than most people think. Yeah. But you cannot say that crusading as an activity is unjustified. The church has already spoken on that. Yeah.
3: And also a disproportionate ratio of Muslim you know, violence to Christians. Yes, indeed, Yeah. yes. You know, when I was in the Holy Land, repeatedly, but earlier this year, you know, uh, it's one of those things where I go with my wife and I have to brace myself because <laughs> invariably, you know, she will speak up in defense of the Byzantine, you know, and, and of the mm-hmm. Crusaders. And, you know, I, I just watch and wait for the blowback because <laughs> from our own fellow Catholic pilgrims, and, you know, there's this backlash, you know, this yeah. was evil, this was diabolical, this was satanic. And then mm-hmm. we have to kind of sift and sort and indicate that no, this has got to be something that we revisit because as a matter of historical fact, there are a lot of misunderstandings. Yes, there are. are. Yeah. Very and
0: I think that's crucial, because I mean, that's, that's why we're here, is that yes. there is so much you know, fact I, I and fiction it in, mixed I you know, think in
3: reconstructing
0: uh, an accurate historical
2: record, mm-hmm. uh, it helps, I think, to uh, invoke this theme of love, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. charity, yes, which is, I think, at the heart mm-hmm. of, of the crusading enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's animated by love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's a defense of Christendom, mm-hmm. which is not a juridical theory. It's mm-hmm. an act of love. An act of you want to give to the other that which you most esteem, mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, and if he's already uh, if he's already assimilated himself to Christ, mm-hmm. then uh, he needs to be protected, mm-hmm. preserved, mm-hmm. and if Muslims are bent on subjugating him to an alien creed, then mm-hmm. you know good men ought to intervene mm-hmm. to protect him. Yes,
1: and you said something important and interesting there—that is that we need to go back and look at what they thought of what they were doing. That's right, yeah. um, and you need to do it carefully because it's easy to take a modern mentality back to medieval sources and say, "Oh, I know what they're talking about." As in the case with Fulcher of Chart, he said the blood ran this deep, so he must he must. have meant it. No, he didn't mean it. Um, Historians need to be careful and respectful and they need to approach primary sources, the sources of the time with humility and listen to what those people are saying about themselves. Why did they do it? What did they think they were doing? Why did they think they had to do it? And if you read crusade history sources with that level of humility and that ability to listen to what they have to say, you will come up with a very different idea about what the Crusades were than what you find in
0: U.S. news and time. and, yeah. Yeah. and, answer, and, that's, and that's what I really, I, I would love for you to just unpack that a little bit, you know, of, of what was in the mind of the average uh, person in, in medieval uh, uh, Christendom, if you will, and I- in light of the Crusades, what did they think? I mean, not the, not the, the PR uh, mm. version, if you will, but what was really in the mind of those? How did they view the Crusades? Well, first of all, once again, to keep repeating this, they viewed it as an act of love,
1: Uh, They also viewed it very significantly, and we forget this in the modern world, but they very significantly viewed it as an act of penance. Crusading and and penance, uh, as in penance after confession, was a very significant element of the Crusades. Um, It was unpleasant, it was expensive, it was dangerous, it was likely to result in your death. Um, It was an extension of, Uh, of pilgrimage per se as being an act of penance. This is an armed pilgrimage that is even more dangerous and difficult Mm. than an ordinary pilgrimage and it's a way to expiate the temporal penalties for your Yeah, you know, it's, it's a
2: huge sacrifice. When, when huge you consider sacrifice. Chaucer's
1: account of, of the pilgrimage to mm-hmm. Canterbury. Yes.
2: I mean, those pilgrims knew they'd come back. Yes, But mm-hmm. if you go to Jerusalem to liberate yes. the holy places, the likelihood is you'll never come back.
1: On the First Crusade, it may have been as many as three-fourths of the participants who didn't yeah. come yeah. back. Yeah. You know, there's a disconnect here that I think can be overcome, at least
3: in part, by an analogy because, mm-hmm. you know, I think many of us have read Tom Brokaw's The Greatest Generation. And you can see through the eyes of men, just like my dad, Mm -hmm. what it was like to fight and Mm -hmm. sacrifice and to go overseas, Mm -hmm. either the Pacific theater or the European theater, and how many lives were lost, but how much, how much more than just life was lost. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a tremendous sort of secular penance. Mm. Yes, uh, and you can fair. look at it cynically after the fact and say, no, it was just an attempt to kind of spread things, mm-hmm. you know, American. You know, and it, we celebrate Veterans Day, we celebrate Memorial Day, and rightly, because we recognize the virtue right. of patriotism mm-hmm. and, and the sacrifices, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But when you fight world wars to make the world safe for democracy <laughs> and economic freedom, that's one thing. But if you're going to fight to make the world safe for religious mm-hmm. freedom, Mm-hmm. and the Christian faith, so the Christian families that have been con- mm-hmm. conquered and, mm-hmm. and captured and enslaved and forcibly converted, you know, it seems to me that is not a lower priority. Right. No, from an a eternal perspective, priority. it's yes. a higher priority. And that
1: is a good definition of what the Crusades were about. Right. Yeah. Well, wait, yeah. And in your, in your
2: elaboration of this myth, uh, a four-part myth, Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the charges that, 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 that is typically made is that these guys were governed by cynicism. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe the propaganda. That's not it was true. all claptrap. Yeah. They were driven by, by a lust for mm-hmm. conquest and money and, and a kind of weird piety. Mm-hmm. But, but all of that is, is balderdash. They mm-hmm. were driven by this desire to liberate mm-hmm. something sacred, mm-hmm. something precious, and they were prepared to make a supreme sacrifice yes. of self, their yes, own
1: blood. They were, I'm working on a biography of a crusade leader, Renaud of Châtillon, who was murdered by Saladin after the Battle of Hattin in 1187, and his grandfather, I believe it was, was the Lord of Donzy and the Count of Chalon in northern France. The county of Chalon was a, a significant principality, a county, rather. His grandfather sold that county in order to raise the money to go on crusade, so he pretty much permanently mm-hmm. alienated it from the family, which wow. is something that medieval nobles didn't like to do. Right, but yeah. he did it in order to get the money to go on. It was a, a second part of the first. You know, crusade. Aristotle teaches
2: that property is really an extension of the. Mm-hmm. And he so so was So to divest yourself of your property, mm-hmm. that's an enormous uh, depletion. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: and they did it's it like habitually this. and commonly. You yeah. had to do that yeah. to go on crusade, and everybody knows. So,
2: so when when when, when we commit this blackguardism uh, about <laughs> about our ancestors. Mm. That That's a kind of historical libel. Uh, we we slander the dead. We dishonor them. Mm-hmm. We, we don't take seriously the motives that they pretty plainly
1: set out. For anybody who is serious about being able to practice his or her faith uh, freely and openly and to the extent that you want to be able to do it, for anyone who has that orientation to be... Uh, negative about the Crusades is an act of ingratitude,
0: I'm afraid. And, and, and it's and our ignorance. family history. And ignorance. and, ignorance. Yes, yes. and yeah. ingratitude, yes. And, because it is, it is our family history. It's yes. part of our lineage, it's yes. part of our understanding. Whether or not we have direct descendants who were in the Crusades or not, it's part of our, our corporate history. Yeah. Um, and, and we under, you need to understand that, and we need to make sure we defend against fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you've alluded a little to this, and we've talked about kind of how this broke down, and we have this clear understanding of what should be understood, but, but, but historians haven't approached it, uh, popularists haven't approached it with the humility you called mm-hmm. for. And, and that's probably where it started breaking down mm-hmm. uh, in, in our current understanding, the cultural understanding today uh, was really broken down, is that is that an accurate way to say that, that whether it be from the Reformation, Reformation or um, other popular works, where did this idea, this true understanding, historically accurate understanding really start breaking down? When, when did that fall apart, really?
1: Well, as Scott mentioned earlier, the Reformation is a significant moment when it breaks down, Luther I think at one point said or is said to have said he'd rather have the Turk than the Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, Is right? I, I'm not sure he meant it, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said some extreme you know, things. Some, which some Byzantines said, too. I and Byzantines exactly. also said yes. it sometimes, yes. So p- it's partly from the Reformation, partly from, um, on the part of some, not all Byzantines uh, distaste for the Pope. Uh, it comes from the Enlightenment, certainly Voltaire no. told a lot of um, yes. lies, I'm afraid, about the uh, yeah. Crusades and about other aspects of Christianity. Voltaire preferred Islam. Uh, what as time a frame is that? This is the 18th century. Okay. Voltaire is the earlier 18th century, and he preferred uh, Islam as a government religion to Christianity. is quite clear about it. But you also get it at the end of the 19th century. In the 19th century, there were Europeans who were pro-imperialism, and they tended to glorify the Crusades, seeing them as imperialistic activities. They were wrong; they weren't imperialistic, but mm-hmm. they were positive about them because of their misunderstanding. Yeah. Any European who was anti-imperialistic was negative about the Crusades, yeah. again from a mistaken right. idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when you get Marxism Mar- and people like Lenin who were so anti-imperialistic, they looked at the 19th century's understanding of crusading as imperialistic and rejected it. But, but it's again from a misunderstanding of what crusading is about, it's never imperialistic. Right. Yeah. The, the figure of Voltaire I think is fascinating because mm. he
2: represents a kind of symbol yes. of Hmm. I, he, he's a cynic, really, <laughs> Very and a parasite. Much so, yes. I mean, it, it, it's the confiscation mm-hmm. of the spiritual riches mm-hmm. of Christianity by men who no longer believe yes. in Christianity. So, so they feed off what they regard as a corpse, mm. and yet it's life-giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I resent that. <laughs> Fair I mean, somebody needs yeah. to go back and exhume Voltaire and try him <laughs> and uh, also for these rec-
3: crimes. And recognize what an emblematic figure he is because his name is now Legion, for there are so many yeah. intellectual parasites who advance their own agendas based upon the capital, the little right. residual capital yeah, that is which left in them. Yeah. I want to yeah. also mention that, you know, we had the luxury of having a, a lunch out at Bob Evans yes, months we did. ago. Yes, A very pleasant one. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, look forward to more of those. Mm. But you pointed out to me back then the works of, you know, Jonathan Riley mm-hmm. Smith, mm-hmm. What Were the Crusades, and more recently the Crusades, Christianity and Islam, a mm-hmm. British historian, yes. as well as an American historian, Thomas F. Madden, mm-hmm. as well as the works of Dr. Paul Crawford. <laughs> um, you know, these sorts of things are accessible. They're understandable. I mean, there's scholars who write a lot of scholarly articles that you have to be an academic to really appreciate, Mm -hmm. but they're also breaking it down so that ordinary people who are highly motivated can get this and give it to other people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when I became a Catholic, you know, Mary, the Pope, purgatory, Mm -hmm. the saints, all of the usual issues, suspects, you know, Mm But I mean, the Crusades, I mean, that's the one thing that Protestants and Catholics agreed on. These were reprehensible, and <laughs> horrible things, you know. So this was like a citadel off in the mm-hmm. distance, you know, it ruins, you know, I, I'm, I don't even need to go there. And when I went there, I'm like, Oh my goodness! Yet one more has to fall.
4: Too
0: many put those up as obstacles. I mean, what's the impact of this? Do you think? I mean, this is taking you maybe out of your expertise, but but looking forward today at at our appreciation, we have presidents who are quoting some inaccurate things. What does that really mean in our relations and our understanding, kind of going forward? Mm You know, I mean, there seems to be so much with uh, our understanding of Islam, Mm -hmm. uh, so much with the the, the turmoil in the Middle East. I mean, I think there's just so much there that this really uh, influences us.
1: I think it has to do with our ability and willingness to defend ourselves and to defend our faith. Mm -hmm. And if we don't rediscover that, those who are not willing to defend themselves and their faith, and their way of life are going to be run over by people who believe more strongly than they do. And the Islamic world, uh, to do them credit, is generally not deficient in that respect. Right. But the, the crucial
2: uh, piece in the puzzle is that you're willing to defend what you regard as defensible. As truth. And yes. more and more people don't see Christianity as defensible.
3: Mm. And you're willing to also desire that which we don't have, and that is you know, the modicum of a Christian social order. I mean, it's one of those things where even solid Christians I know don't desire a Christian social order. They want simply the right to kind of privatize it for themselves. and Okay, my family and my parish, but, you know, just give us a sort of Indian reservation Mm -hmm. as it were, you know. And and it seems to me that Mm -hmm. something much greater is needed. Mm -hmm. And that is the social vision that our faith is inherently corporate. It's public. Public and corporate, yes. I I think of Jeremiah, the prophet. One Old Testament scholar said that what bothered Jeremiah so much was not that his fellow Jews were in exile, but that they didn't know it, yes. right? Yes. That they were yes. so Babylonianized mm, that they weren't even aware yes. that there was a city, Jerusalem, yes. and, a, and a temple
1: in ruins. Yes, and this is a problem with the Dimi status. Um, over centuries, it can crush communities into a, a sort of Stockholm syndrome, a sort of. Existence. Yeah,
0: so they were always oppressed and they felt comfortable, and then. Uh, Good analogy.
1: Or at least were uncomfortable objecting to it, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. I think that's true for many Dimi communities today. They don't dare object to it and have learned not to dare. Mm. And they don't want people coming
3: in
0: to object to it either, no, because it that's gonna make
3: it really bad for us when make you leave. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, Stay with us for the last segment on Franciscan University Presents. My name is Joseph Frilich. I'm a chemistry major, biology minor here at Franciscan University. I love the atmosphere. just completely centered around the Catholic faith. When I play soccer, when I'm in classes, everything has that same Catholic attitude. Myself and a few other chemistry majors have the opportunity to work with top scientists in order to combat neglected diseases. I was able to connect my love for chemistry and also my love for mission work by synthesizing chemical compounds. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic.
4: Study online, on campus, or both in graduate programs for working adults at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Advance your career with the ethical approach to management you'll find in our MBA. Bring online learning to life through our Master's in Education. Prepare for advanced practice nursing with our Master's in Nursing. Check franciscan.edu or call 800-783-6220.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking to Dr. Paul Crawford, professor and author, uh, about the Crusades. Uh, this is our final segment, yeah, Regis, yeah. so could you start off our kind of summations? A oh, gosh.
2: Way. There's a great many things that I'd like to say, but uh, and, and not the least of, of them is uh, a gesture of, of gratitude and thanksgiving to you for having come. Uh, You exhibit uh, a learned enthusiasm, which uh, I I find infectious. I'd love to have been one of your students. Of course, I'd be much older than you, (laughs) but uh, I would find uh, your material highly contagious. And uh, I'm struck by that word gratitude because uh, in the break before this final session, you mentioned, and, and it's haunted me, this image of going home to God and, and being sort of accosted by your ancestors who want to know, what did you do to advance the cause of, uh, of, of Christendom? And, and, you know, if your hands are empty, uh, maybe you didn't do anything. Uh, but at least in the classroom, you can give witness to the truth. And, and, and the truth in the end, I, I think, will vindicate you before the councils of, uh, of eternal uh, judgment. Uh, another point, uh, Chesterton speaks of the democracy of the dead, mm-hmm. that we ought to give votes to the most obscure of all classes, mm-hmm. our ancestors, our ancestors in the faith. We, we owe them something, some deference. Uh, and, and I think by telling the truth about what they did, uh, that, that I think is the tribute we pay uh, to their memory and we keep it alive. And one particular memory I have which uh, came to mind in, in the course of uh, preparing for this uh, show was something my great friend and mentor, Fritz Wilhelmsen, did. Mm-hmm. He was an assistant professor at the University of Santa Clara in California in the mid-1950s when the Budapest uprising took place, and he spoke to the student body and galvanized about 1400 of them mm. to sign on as crusaders to go to Hungary mm. to help their brothers uh, lift this mm. this yoke of Soviet tyranny. Of course, he was refused by the State Department, we don't need you, <laughs> and, and the Eisenhower administration wasn't going to do a damn thing mm. to help uh, Hungary, but for Fritz, that was a kind of uh, That was a kind of uh, flashpoint. It indicated uh, that America was not really interested in liberating these captive peoples. Mm -hmm. And that's very different from the attitude that motivated our Christian forebears. They were determined to do something, and and by God, they succeeded in some some modest yet measurable way to make life more hospitable to Christians in the places where, after all, their faith had been founded.
3: Thank you, Regis. Scott? You know, I'm reminded of the, uh, the homilist who gets up to give a, a homily on ignorance and apathy, and uh, he says, the two biggest problems in the parish are what? And the fellow in the front row leans, over. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I would add a third one, and that is ingratitude. Mm. You know, uh, I do think the ingratitude is great. I hope and pray that the, in, the ignorance is far greater, mm. and I suspect that it, it is. is. But debunking this myth, I think, has is, is, is really become something big. And not just for me, but for all people who are on the side of truth. You know, um, and not just historical truth, but I'm in mean, contemporary circumstances. Historical truth is important in itself to clarify the record and to get it right, Mm -hmm. Uh, and to go back and to recognize these are wars of defense, that these are just wars, these are justifiable wars. Abuses were committed, you know, and all of that, but not quite like what we did, you know, at Dresden and other things too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet we celebrate our veterans rightly. At the same time, we acknowledge some excesses. But you know, Samuel Huntington speaks of the bloody borders of Islam yeah. and, and how the vast majority of all of the major conflicts that still go on are you know, in Islamic countries. And it's not a, a coincidence, it's a, it's a fact of history and it's a moral reality that we have to face, you know. And, and when we do the historical work, I think we, we pull back the ivy and we suddenly are looking at what is this? It's the front door mm-hmm. into a Christian Catholic way of understanding social order and, you know, uh, Western history. And it's, it's, it's not coming too soon, you know. Mm-hmm. This rediscovery, I think, is going to reawaken in us a desire to go back and get history right, but also to get the present and the future right as well, and to recognize that there is a time and a place to fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a time and a place for gratitude as well. Your work, and I know Mike is gonna mention this is available on Faith and Reason. That article on the Four Myths is indispensable reading. But what you've recommended in the works of Jonathan Riley Smith, especially this book, The Crusades, Christianity, and Islam, Mm -hmm. I gave it to my 19-year-old and he devoured it, You know, and my kids are all reading it. And so thank you, keep up the great work and let's just share the load. (laughs) Thank you,
1: Scott. Paul? Well, I think that we've covered most of the major points already. It's important to think of the Crusades as defensive activities. Mm. Um, They are not offensive. They were never supposed to be offensive. They were never supposed to be about conversion. Uh, they were the first great Western counterattack against Islam. They weren't the first counterattack against Islam, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, the Byzantines had fought back. The Italians had fought back. The Spanish had fought back. Uh, but these were the first great Western counterattacks against Islamic aggression, and the first one that was um, centrally directed by the Pope. Mm-hmm. Um, any for anyone who believes that human beings of whatever faith uh, or ethnic background or whatever have a right to defend themselves against aggression, if that's what you believe, and most people do when pressed, uh, then I don't see how you can condemn the principle of the Crusades. You can condemn this or that thing that happened in the course of them, but you can't condemn the principle because they were an act of self-defense and an act of love, as we've also said, um, on behalf of the Crusaders for those that, that they were trying to defend. Uh, The Crusades, uh, we mentioned something earlier in the show that that we didn't get time to follow up on. Uh, There was really only one truly successful crusade, and that was the first one. The Third Crusade was also partially successful. The rest of them are pretty much failures. Uh, And as a venture considered as a whole, given its own aims of recovering the Holy Land and protecting Eastern Christians, the Crusades really have to be considered a failure because in the end, uh, Catholic Christians lost the Holy Land and were driven out of the territories that they had tried to defend. But they'd also need to be considered as a success um, in the sense that by creating a counterattack, by driving Islam back for a little while, um, they managed to buy Western Europe, Christian Catholic Europe, time to grow up. Mm -hmm. So that by the time the Crusades had pretty definitively failed by the 15th century, Western Europe was strong enough to defend itself and to preserve its own Christian uh, way of life. Temporary success, but uh, they did give Western Europe time to survive. Mm. Uh, And I think, Regis, you you brought up something that is very important uh, that we were talking about during the break. As modern people, we need to look back at our ancestors um, and look at what they did, look at the fact that they gave up their careers, their treasure, and in very many cases, their lives, Uh, and recognize that as Catholic Christians we believe that we will meet these people someday. Very many of these people died for their faith which Mm. makes them automatically a martyr, which makes them a saint, Mm. um, if I understand my theology correctly. Uh, So if we are fortunate enough to get to heaven ourselves we will meet them someday and they will tell us what they did and ask us what we have done in their defense. Uh, And I hope that we all have a a good answer to give to that question.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. Uh, We've been talking to Dr. Paul Crawford. Uh, If you've been interested in the subject that we've been discussing today, the Crusades, you need to go to faithandreason.com or just ask us. Uh, The four myths of the Crusade are available to download or we'll send them to you. I want to invite you to be a part of Franciscan University's mission. Uh, Our mission is to transform the world through the students and the people that we educate and form. Uh, Come and be a part of uh, this education and this life here on our campus by going for a degree um, or going online in our distance education. Uh, Or join us at one of our summer conferences or pilgrimages to holy shrines like the Holy Land. Um, Or go to faithandreason.com and be equipped with all the tools you need to be a part of the new evangelization. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
1: To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithinreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling
4: 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381 or call 740-283-6357.